Kia Welcome to Baptist People. My name's Charles Hewlett. And I'm Catherine Heslop. In our roles as National Leader and Executive Advisor within the Baptist Churches of New Zealand, we daily have the privilege of bumping into interesting people. These podcasts give us the opportunity to introduce them to you and to let them shape us as we endeavour to bring gospel renewal to people and places. In conversation, we explore something of their story. Why do we find them so interesting? What are they giving their lives to? Where does the motivation come from? We reflect together on both the highs and lows of their journey. Thanks heaps for taking the time to listen in. In this episode, I talk with Sarah. Sarah, along with her husband Paul, founded The Loyal Workshop, a business that brings freedom to women in the red light area of Kolkata, where it's estimated 2,000 people are trapped in the sex trade. We talk together about having audacious dreams and the enormous cost that comes along with them. I started by asking Sarah what motivated her to make such a bold and brave decision for Jesus. My husband and my kids and I have just got back from uh, 11 years uh, serving overseas. So we've been working in a red light area in in Kolkata, India. Uh, We started a a, a small business uh, that makes leather products called The Loyal Workshop. That is uh, an alternative employment opportunity for women who are wanting to exit from the sex trade. Uh, so yeah, that's that's up and running now. It doesn't need us. So we're back here in New Zealand, settling yeah. in, settling into New Zealand. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I don't. I've never felt like a very brave or bold person. <laughs> so I don't really identify with those those terms. Um, I've I. I'd like to actually give you an, uh, an answer to this question that I would have given um, before I got sick. And then later on, I'd actually like to add to it, if that's all right with you, Charles. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> go, go for it. <laughs> Two layers of answers. Yeah. So, so I feel like God was working in my heart for a very long time um, to help me understand his, his dreams for gospel renewal. Uh, so I, I vividly remember being 19 years old at a Tony Campolo uh, uh, talk at Parachute Festival yep. and just felt like out of nowhere, I sense God saying to me, I want you to serve the poor overseas. And it really, it really shook me. And uh, being 19, I thought I'd be getting on the plane in a few months, but yeah. it actually took 10 years, yeah. 10 years of service in New Zealand and learning what it means to seek the kingdom in New Zealand settings and seek gospel renewal in, in West Auckland where I was living. Yeah. And God ta- taught me a lot and my neighbours taught me a lot in that time. Uh, also reading scripture was uh, very influential for me studying at Kerry Baptist College and learning God's heart for those who society regards as worthless yeah. uh, is something that really stood out to me as I read the scriptures really getting yeah. to know God's heart um, and I'd, I'd done a business degree yeah. and the whole time I was studying business I was not really interested in making lots of money for the CEO what I was interested in is how business could be used as a tool uh, to empower uh, people on the margins, empower empower marginalised people. And so we went to visit a free set back in 2002. And man, this experience was huge for me because I saw in a way I had never seen before the gospel come alive 
I saw I saw incredible gospel renewal uh, walk going from walking the lanes of the red light area and seeing women enslaved to then going into this little uh, factory and seeing uh, women's lives being transformed. So mm -hmm. that had a huge impact on me. And coming back to New Zealand after that trip, the particular issue of human slavery sat with me. So, you know, how could it be in this modern age that slavery continues? Uh, so there was something that's about this particular issue of injustice that started to become personal for me. Yep. And I, I, you know, how can I say to my grandchildren that I looked people that were enslaved straight in the eye and then I did nothing about it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it just became this area of injustice that took a hold of my heart mm. and um, God's love for his people and his particular interest in showing special care and concern um, for the marginalized and, and the sense of God wanting to bring justice into those situations of profound injustice uh, have been the drivers for me. Yeah. <laughs> doing yeah. something crazy like moving my family yeah. <laughs> to a red light area in Kokoda. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, huge decision, um, Sarah. Um, what, 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 did, what did this decision cost you? Yeah, yeah, it is a huge decision. Uh, it felt scary. It felt definitely outside of my comfort zone. Yeah. It, it, it cost, it did cost me a lot and it also cost my children and, yeah. and my mum and a lot yeah. of people. Uh, a few of the things specifically, uh, it, I had to let go of pursuing the New Zealand dream. Yeah. Uh, so climbing the career ladder, buying yeah. a house with the white yeah. picket fence. Yeah. I really wanted to do that as well. <laughs> so I had to yeah. decide if I was going to follow the fire that God had started in me, or I was going to let that fire die and instead pursue what the culture was telling me to put my energy into. Yeah. Uh, so I actually see letting go of the New Zealand dream as a cost and also a gift. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, coming back to New Zealand now, there are people that seem quite worried about us being so far behind and the property market uh <laughs> you yeah. know this yeah. these 11 years that we could have been working towards yeah. climbing the property market and uh we are currently living in a caravan you know so the people are concerned about us but yeah. i'm yeah. not <laughs> i feel yeah. like i mean our goal has always been to seek first the kingdom of god and mm -hmm. trust that god will work the other things out and he hasn't let us down yet. Yeah, yeah, and I've seen that caravan, uh, Sarah. Sarah, it's it's, it's a, in a beautiful part of New Zealand. <laughs> yeah. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Uh, we can't complain. It's beautiful yeah. here. Uh, so I had to also the it cost it cost me also letting go of the illusion of control, and I say the illusion because I think it is an illusion. Uh, in New Zealand, it's easier to pretend or believe that we have things under control and it's just not possible to live under that illusion in India. Life is too chaotic, there's too much suffering and the illusion of control is yeah. shattered on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, but actually I found that um, to be also a gift too. While it's very scary at times, 
to be profoundly aware aware of my lack of control. Uh, it also get, gave me a daily opportunity to keep trust in God. Yeah. 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 Um, also, com comfort is another thing we had to give up. Living in heat and dirt uh, and yeah. noise and yeah. suffering is deeply uncomfortable, and I never got used to it. <laughs> yeah. And coming from a culture that values comfort very highly, uh, yeah, it was it was very uncomfortable for us. Um, but I also found that to be a gift as well, um, because it helped us to keep remembering that comfort it is not the ultimate goal. Yeah, it is purpose. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. and also and also costs like being away from love, which, yeah. which just sucked. It was just yeah. really hard, yeah. really hard. Uh, and being away from the outdoors, our family loves the outdoors, yeah. so. Yeah. The concrete jungle was, um, yeah, it was not good for our bodies or our minds to be in a concrete jungle for that long. Yeah. So that was another yeah. cost for us as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sarah, you, you, you indicated, you talked before about, um, you know, being sick. Um, I, I know that there, had, uh, there was a, a cost, a high cost for you personally. Are, are you able to talk to us a little bit about that? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so back in 2018, uh, I, I thought I was doing fine. We were through the hardest part of launching the business. Uh, our team was getting strong. My self-care regime was better than ever. Um, but, uh, you know, so I thought it was all, everything was ticking along nicely, but yet I had a sense, uh, a sense that everything was about to hit the fan. And on the 7th of August at 6 p.m., I suddenly became very unwell. Uh, so I, I had a, I was in the workshop and I had a panic attack and uh, I all, all of a sudden couldn't walk down the street um, because the, sense, the sensory overload was so much that I would get really confused. I was having rage outbursts and throwing things around the room. Yeah. I was having terrible nightmares, sleeping sleeping 11 12 hours a night it was it was a big shift big shift in, a, in an instant and i've got a terrific supervisor who talked with a clinical psychologist and said sarah this is a you've never been like this before this is significant we think that you might be suffering from ptsd post-traumatic stress disorder yeah. And I think you need to leave the country before you start having um, psychotic episodes. <laughs> and, yeah. I, yeah. and I thought to myself, yep, she's right. <laughs> I, <do. laughs> I need to leave. Oh, wow. And uh, so I went to, um, went to Thailand and had two months of uh, intensive trauma therapy there. And actually, when I got on the plane to go to Thailand, my assumption was that the trauma I would be dealing with was all of the things that had happened to me since I arrived in India. Um, but actually it became very quickly um, apparent that actually the majority of the trauma that was surfacing was actually about the first, first five years of my life. Wow. Uh, so, wow. so it was, uh, I, after Thailand, I came back to New Zealand and it was a two year healing journey 
uh, of recovering uh, recovery for me so mm. processing mainly processing the trauma from the first five years of my life so as as we know the first you know the first few years of life are very important uh, my father was abusive and he separated from my mum when I was five so up until that point I was uh, fearing for my life right. and uh, and trauma I had buried deep like I didn't even know it was there uh, as a small child all started coming to the surface and so I, I since learnt that I had maybe at the age of five or six or seven have de had developed all these ways of coping um, that that got me through all the way to 30 years of age and then those coping strategies broke and they didn't anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so it was it was very hard work to process the trauma uh, treatment once a week for two years and I think actually wow. this is probably the bravest thing that I've ever done <laughs> but actually yeah. I can I can absolutely say now that getting sick um, was not a cost for me but an incredible gift uh, I think that this our body holds trauma so India didn't do this to me uh, it probably brought it to the surface maybe a decade earlier than it would have come to the surface yeah. Um, but actually it coming to the surface and me having space to process it and become well is just an incredible gift. Yeah. And I feel like a totally like new person to what I, um, to what I was before. It feels like yeah. two halves yeah. of my life. So for yeah. the first time in my life, I really feel free to become who God created me to be, which yeah. is very exciting yeah. for me. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So yeah. going back to your first question, yeah. what drive what drives a person yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to do something crazy like moving to a red light area in uh, Kolkata? So um, part of my driver was definitely my childhood trauma. Uh, so during my treatment, I began to realize this uh, that that I part of the reason I went to India to work with incredibly vulnerable women and children is to seek out the happy ending that I never got in my childhood. Right. Um, so seeing women fight for their freedom and experience this incredible healing and renewal was was what I was what I needed. It was what I wasn't getting with my you know with my childhood situation, the happy ending. So part of my driver was a selfish one. And I can remember distinctly driving to therapy one day and just crying and saying to God, I thought I, I thought I'd move to India because for selfless reasons, you know, I thought I, yeah. I thought I'd move to India because you'd heard the cries of the women, and now I'm finding out it's just for my own selfish needs. And yeah. I felt I sensed God say to me, um, I did, I did send you to India because I heard the cries of the women, but I also heard the cries of little Sarah, huh. and um. That was incredibly precious to me to hear that from God, yeah. that that he he's able to do his gospel renewal thing in such a way that he was generously able to include my renewal in the renewal of the ladies. And, yeah. um, you know, he's he's big enough and yeah. he, he did that. He, yeah, I feel so um, grateful that um, God has woven my freedom story into the freedom story story of our woman yeah 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 thanks thanks sarah for, for sharing that 
Uh, yeah, because I remember, <laughs> I remember the barbecue, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, one night um, at, at our place where, 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 where you were chatting with us about the expectation that this would be a lifetime decision uh, moving out there. And so I, I guess my next question on the page was going to be, you know, um, are there lost dreams that, that, that you're having to process? But I guess you've answered that question for me. Um, yeah, I mean, it is it is hard. Uh, I really I really miss the team, and I really miss the way that the gospel comes alive on the streets yeah. and bursts out from the pages of scripture. You know, and I miss the, miss the artisan seeing witnessing the artisan's faith and the way that it encourages my faith. Um, but I, it's not nearly as hard as yeah. I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Not nearly as hard. And I think it's because my definition of success has changed. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I used to believe that success looked like pulling out a Mother Teresa, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and retiring and spending my whole life serving. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and anything less than that was going to be a failure or it was going to show that I was weak or, or, or the worst thing it was gonna show that I was letting Jesus down yeah um but I think that my old defin of definition of success was informed by my ego yeah. <laughs> because wow. wouldn't it be amazing if I could pull a mother <laughs> Teresa <laughs> and, yeah. I, and I also think that it was informed by some unhealthy models of service that if you're not suffering all the time then you're not serving Jesus yeah uh, yeah working in the red light area in, in Kolkata is as you can imagine extremely difficult and taxing on health and relationships yeah. and I began to notice patterns in the wide network of people when you're doing similar work and we were able to see very few examples of people that were doing doing this service in a healthy way for more than 10 years. Yeah. So I began to question, maybe this lifetime sign up that we'd adopted was actually setting ourselves up for failure. If, if there's a natural, you know, generally speaking, if there's this natural limitation that Kiwis start to become unwell after a maximum of 10 years, then maybe yeah. 10 years should be a maximum. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> surely yeah. the goal, surely the goal ought to be to leave well, uh, not, not, not an absolute wreck. Uh, and I think that God is very aware of our human limitations because he created us with those human limitations. It's, yeah. it's more, it's more me that struggles with accepting those limitations, yeah. you know, and, um, and if we talk about lo loyal being a freedom business, if we're authentically practicing freedom business, then everybody's freedom ought to be growing, including the, volu the um, volunteer foreigners who are serving with the artists. Yeah. Uh, so now I don't see coming home as a failure yeah. I actually see it as a roaring success uh, we we managed to hand over this precious baby of ours into yeah. the capable hands of yeah. our, our local local team and we left while they still miss us they weren't they weren't <laughs> praying for the day that we leave yeah. <laughs> and um and COVID actually created this really unique situation that they had been forced to figure out how to run the business without foreigners. So it created this really unique opportunity for us to step back and, yeah. and allow the others to keep, keep um, being empowered up into leadership um, and ownership of the business. So 
I truly believe that leaving was the healthiest, when we did, was the healthiest option for yeah. myself and my family and the team. Because you, you 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 did create something quite beautiful, um, uh, Sarah. Yeah. What, what 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 brings you the most joy when you think about loyal? Oh man, uh, absolutely, and it's uh, witnessing gospel renewal among our staff. It brings me so much joy that uh, my heart nearly explodes sometimes. <laughs> Yeah. It feels like it's too much. Yeah. Um, watching the women experience gospel renewal in their lives is uh, is the most beautiful thing I have ever seen. Yeah. And yeah. um, it, and it's uh, not only intangible; it's tangible. We can see mm -hmm. it. Like um, one of our one of our women, um, I'll give an example of. She when we first started doing um, brothel visitations down her lane and met her, uh, we struggled to, because we learned meeting so many people, we struggled to remember names. So we give people weird names and we used to call her sad eyes because she just looks so profoundly downcast. Yeah. Really like would have her head down. She would struggle to engage with, you know, what have you had? What did you eat for breakfast? Really easy questions so so sad uh and today this woman <laughs> she when i look at her i her eyes are not sad at all they are so full of joy Beautiful. she yeah. is yeah. dignified the way she holds herself oh and she she speaks she loves coming to work she hates the holidays <laughs> she's she's and she just she's so content she just like the contentment she gains from stitching is just so beautiful and yeah the, um just before we left uh india she was talking about what joining loyal meant for her and she said it was like it was like I was, when I came to work at Loyal, it was like I was born again into a new life. Yeah. Like when I, like when I was born and she had no idea that she was referencing John. But she yeah. That was just coming yeah. out of her heart, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So, oh my goodness. Yeah. So yeah. worth it yeah. for those yeah. witnessing those stories, witnessing yeah. those lives. Yeah. <laughs> changed. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> Yeah, sitting here talking with you, I guess I guess a conversation about um, audacious dreams and gospel renewal. Uh, it's easy easy for, for for someone like me. It, it makes a lot of sense when you think about Kolkata and costs and, and, um, and, and bold decisions, um, which which you have very hopefully redefined for me. So thank you. <laughs> so, but, but, but does this conversation make sense for the follower of Jesus in New Zealand? Um, that's a great question, Charles. Should it? Yeah. Yeah. I think I think that it should make sense uh, in, in New Zealand context, but I think it often doesn't mm. for people and for yeah. myself. You know, it's exactly the same God who is transforming lives in Kolkata and exploding my heart with joy on a regular basis is, is at work in New Zealand too. And Jesus is inviting us to be part of his gospel, gospel renewal mm. in our place in Aotearoa. Yeah. Um, so what are some of the things, you know, you got me asking this question, what are some of the things that stop it from making sense in our context? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I actually think sometimes I prefer the the idols in India 
because at least they're obvious. Yeah. Uh, the idols in New Zealand, you know, you can see the idols sitting on someone's, you know, someone's counter or in the corner of someone's room. But then the idols in New Zealand are, are subtle and insidious. And um, I think in particular, the idols uh, of desire for control and certainty very strong in New Zealand. Yeah. I within within a month of getting back to New Zealand, every time I've come back to New Zealand, I've noticed a very strong pull happening inside of me. So becoming less I become less dependent on God. I become more yeah. insular. Yeah. I start out I start hanging out with people that are middle class Pakeha like myself. Yeah. <laughs> I start buying things I don't need. <laughs> <laughs> And I think that the bottom bottom line for me is that if I believe that I am in control of my life and I'm more or less self-sufficient, I have no need for God. Yeah. So I have to actively do things in New Zealand to keep reminding myself that I still need God. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. Welcome. Thank you. That's challenging. Eh? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I mean, you, you know, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's very much my prayer that Baptist faith communities in New Zealand bring gospel renewal to people in places in their local neighbourhoods. Um, yeah, this is what I'm on about all the time. <laughs> um, I, I feel like you and Paul did this in one of the most difficult parts of the world. Yeah. What, 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 would, what advice would you have for Baptist people? My advice would be uh, pay attention to the lines. Pay attention to the lines. Um, okay. I, I had the honour of hearing John Perkins speak. Uh, he gave a lecture in Kuala Lumpur. And for those that don't know, John Perkins is a Black American minister, uh, an author and a civil rights activist. So John talked about the many lines that exist in society. And these are the lines that separate one people group from another for yeah. whatever reason. So lines can be divide people for many different reasons, different ethnicities, different socioeconomic groups. Lines can separate conservative Christian groups from LGBTQI community. Yeah. Uh, um, lines are everywhere in society. And he said, uh, he said these words that have become defining words in my life. There are two really important things to remember about any line that divides humans from, from other humans. The first thing is this. God is intensely interested in that line. And the second thing is that line is a lie. So those two things, God is intensely interested in that line. Mm. And that line is a lie. And I've, I've found that um, to be incredibly challenging in my own life. I've been working on my own many biases and yeah. the lines that I start drawing in my mind that other people, that put, make people other than me. Yeah. Um, so the other day I caught myself speaking about the Wellington protesters in a way <laughs> that, that others them, makes them other to me. And I think anger or fear or misunderstanding can cause us to other people. But when we do that, we miss out on the richness of shared humanity. Yeah. 
So the woman, the woman at Loyal have taught me <laughs> yeah. that we are far more the same than we are different. Yeah. Uh, I am just the beggar who is yeah. telling other beggars where to find bread. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I am not the one with the answers, um, but I will keep choosing to be vulnerable, to spend time with people who are different to me, to look them in the eye and find our shared humanity. Uh, there've been loads of Kiwis that have come on loyal workshop tours over the years, come over to Kolkata and gone on a little tour of our workshop. Uh, there are those that um, that do a proper tour as tourists and other the women by the way that they interact with them. And there are others that when they walk around the workshop and meet the women, they see their shared humanity with mm. the women and they make themselves vulnerable and they might attempt a few words at Bangalore and make yeah. a mistake and, yeah. you know, but the ladies can, the ladies have an incredible BS radar. They can, they can tell yeah. the difference. Yeah. They can tell the difference. And I think it's the same here in New Zealand. If we other people that we are serving, they will feel it and they will not be able to receive our service as love. Mm. So to love people in our place we need to be prepared to see ourselves in them and to learn from them and to be vulnerable with them. Mm. So that would be my advice. Pay mm. attention to the lines. Yeah. Mm. Sarah, um, you know, for many years now, you, your, 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 your kind heart and your prophetic words have made me a better person. And um, you have just done that again right now. <laughs> So, so thank you for, for sharing so openly and honestly with us. Mm, and, um, and, and man, there's some, um, some challenging things that, that I need to go away and think about. Um, mm. So thank you for your time today. And thank you for listening, Charles. It's been a good opportunity for me to reflect on the awesome questions that you gave me. <laughs> <laughs> it's good, it good for me and yeah. a, a good challenge for me as well. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. God bless you heaps. <laughs> yeah, you too, Charles. Take See you care. Sarah. See you later.